Hello, and welcome to the Ag Culture Podcast, where we cultivate tomorrow by inspiring agripreneurs and ag innovators through real-life perspectives in agriculture. I'm Paul Windemuller, your host on this journey of exploration and growth. Today, I had the honor to speak with Sophie Gregory from Somerset, United Kingdom. Sophie and her husband, Tom, are first-generation farmers, much like my wife and I, and run a mixed-use and dairy farm there in Southern England. Sophie was a 2021 UK Dairy Industry Woman of the Year. She's also on the board of directors for Arla Dairy Co-op, which is a very large dairy co-op in Europe. And also like myself, she is a 2024 Neffield Scholar. Today, I had uh, talked with Sophie so much that I had to break this interview down into two separate episodes. So this episode, Sophie and I talk mostly about her farming story, about how she got involved in agriculture as a first-generation farmer. And next week, we will go into more on her business as the farm, how it's set up, and her off-farm experiences as well, and industry roles that she has. So please stay tuned for this interview with Sophie Gregory. Well, Sophie Gregory, welcome to the show today, and it's great to have you. Uh, I believe it's nighttime in the UK where you're at, and it's uh, in the afternoon where I am today, and uh, really appreciate you coming on the show. You've got a lot of great subjects and topics to talk about. I'm really excited to delve into that with you, so welcome. Thank you so much. I'm really excited to be here. Why don't you start out, um, well, I guess one thing I want to point out that I'm really excited about is is you and your husband both started your dairy farm together about nine years ago. Uh, that's when my wife and I started. So we're relatively the same timeline in our uh, ownership careers in, in farming, very involved with your cooperative uh, and very engaged through uh, social media. So I'm really excited to have those things in common with you and to discuss those with you today, as well as many other topics. So if you could tell our listeners uh, a little bit about your operation and how that got started, we'll, we'll just start there. Okay, cool. Yeah, so um, probably start at the beginning. Um, so I met Tom when I was 17 and he was 18 and um, well, right from the moment I met him, he always said he wanted to go back dairy farming. His dad had come out of dairy farming um, and the family farm had been rented out. The other family farm was still being run by the grandparents. And um, he, I was not from agriculture at all. I thought it was a crazy idea. I then had a baby at 18. Um, we weren't, hadn't been together that long. Um, and he kept going with this idea and we went for a few different tenancies. So, um, property to rent, like farms to rent. Um, and then in 2014, the year after we got married, um, this farm came up, um, about an hour from where we were living and farms this sort of size don't really come up very often. So, um, the people before had gone bankrupt and so it come to the market 
um, to be rented. And there was a lot of interest because milk prices very high. I don't know what it was like in America at that time, but it was really, really pumping the milk price and everyone wanted this yeah, one. Yeah. <laughs> and um, so we never thought we had a chance. We went in with a business partner um, because it was a big farm, needed quite a lot of capital. And we had a proportion of the capital. So we went in at 20%, he went in at 80 um, and we started with 280 cows uh, in yeah, March 2014, um, organic, um, wearing all the heifers in-house at 600 acres. So what's that in hectares? Do you do it in hectares or acres over with you? Acres in the US. Oh, okay, we, got, we got a lot of international audience as well. So either either one works. Okay, cool. Um, so yeah, so I'm, I'm better with acres. So it's, yeah, it was like just under 600 acres. Um, so yeah, 280 cows, spring carving, just one block um and yeah so then with the aim that we'd buy our business partner to 50 50 and we did that by year year five um so about four years ago and then um at the moment we're just buying him out the rest of it so then it will be just us here so yeah we got it it was a total roller coaster there was no way we thought we were ever going to get it there was a lot of interest even from ireland all over the place um but i think they like the idea of a young team being here but with an experienced business partner so that's probably yep. why we paid quite a good rent as well. well. I say quite good, a strong rent, a very strong rent. Um, it was really the only way to get the farm, I think. Um, so yeah, the business looks quite different to that now, but that's where we started from. And you said uh, it was all spring calving when you started at that facility. Is that uh, something that you're continuing with where it's just spring calving or do you spring and fall calving? Um, so now the, the farm now is probably actually a mixed farm. So it's not just dairy. So we are about 1400 acres in total now. Um, okay. it's about four, we'll milk 400 cows this year, a uh, hundred autumns, about 300 spring carvers. So yeah, the autumns carve, um, sort of mid August to end of, um, October. And, um, then the springs are March and April. So two, like eight, nine week blocks. Um, mm -hmm. only replace so only um, dairy replacements are born in the spring to try and keep it simple the rest carved to beef so we just want them they're all to sex semen um, we want them in sort of the first 10 days of that block so they're all the same age and they can be carved down at two so the so we've got so 300 acres of arable the rest supports the dairy and then we've got beef as well we keep probably 40 a year of the beef some of that goes through beef boxes. Some of that just goes straight through the supply chain. And then we've got a rare breed of white parks, which are, they're fully white, black noses, huge horns, quite magical looking. Um, but they're on a sort of conservation project. So they're like a, just a separate thing, but they're part of the business. So it's, it is actually a mixed farm now, um, but it's very much started with, yeah, just a core spring carving, um, okay. yeah, spring carving farm. And when you started, it was already certified organic um, at that time, or is that some a process that you went through? No, so it it had been organic previously. Um, how long ago it had? I think it was probably about four or five years before we took it on. It had been organic. Okay. They came out of organic, went conventional, went very high input, but I don't think they got the yields. If that makes sense, they went all in. You know machinery and everything but they didn't see the yields i don't think um i don't really I, d I never met the people here before but it was quite it was a very different system so then we had to go back organic because we had to convert the land etc um 
So we've been organic for nine years. So we did a fast track, we fed organic feed, bought organic cows, uh, just to fast track it, because it's supposed to be two years, but you can fast track it, backdate it if the land, because uh. the people before had been out for six months already, they'd come out of the farm six months before, so nothing had been done. No nitrogen, nothing had been applied. Um, so yeah, it was, we, we are, we're quite committed to organic. And so is our uh. landlord now, I think. Um, I don't think he'd, if we said we want to go conventional, I don't think he'd probably be on board with that. Okay. So that was a conscious decision that you and your husband went into that operation with, even, even if you got a different property, that was the route that you guys wanted to go. If I'm being honest now, at the beginning, it was because the farm was set up for 300 cows and we probably milked 500 if it was conventional. So the Mm. farm was like the buildings, the parlor, everything were really set for sort of 300 cows like cubicles and everything um we can just about do it on two different blocks as that's why we bought two different block calves um but actually um the to not have to invest organic we get we we were getting quite a good premium then it's quite different now the premiums like probably half nearly what we were getting back then so financially the budgets looked a lot better so originally it actually wasn't about organic at all and I'm quite happy to say that because I didn't really understand much about agri- and nor nor did my I mean he knew about farming he's he but he had no sort of love affair with organic whereas mm-hmm. now I think I think that's what organic either sucks you into it and makes you think oh yeah this is how we want to farm or you just get really annoyed with it and go back to conventional um, but yeah it, I think we I mean I'm not saying we wouldn't do a conventional farm at all but this farm actually suits being organic because of the size of it with with the buildings that we've got and it's 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 just you'd come here and be like this feels organic i don't it's quite hard to explain it's just very it's full of wildlife it's just it just likes being organic and so you still have uh like you said you still have freestyle or cubicle yeah. um barn setups as well to put yeah. them in for wintering is yeah so we've got yeah about three so we've got two it's about 320 cubicles down the bottom and then we've got another 100 cubicles at the top so when we dry cows off for the spring um to carve and um, 100 the first lot due will go up to the top and then they'll come back down and so we're only milking 180 cows at the moment because we've dried okay. everything off ready for carving so we will actually get down to 140 at um at, you know next probably by next month we have about a month of if february is like 140 milking because they're mm-hmm. just the spring they're they're the autumn carvers plus the ones that didn't get in calf that have we tried to get in calf we only swing once so you can go spring to autumn but you can't go back round. so our wow. autumn replacements are made from the spring we're quite strict about that because otherwise i think you end up with a bit of a free-for-all and like animals that have been in milk for you know 500 days you know our type of cows dry up they just wouldn't right. you know they're right. doing five and a bit thousand liters they're not going to keep going for 500 days um yeah. so it, that's why off farm things as well so yeah. how does that fit into your operation um so so i suppose the cows i run the cows um the herd with a girl called lottie who's like my right hand girl um she she's five days a week and she lives on the farm she's 20 exceptional like really exceptional she'll tell you this herself but she doesn't really like people like she she embraces some people but she's a cow person um so when i was really good cow people are yeah. big um, people I fans. So. Um, <laughs> and she's, so she's fantastic. And then Tom will help with the cows when he's like, he does all the feeding. Um, he does the arables, his, um, all the maintenance, 
you know, silaging, all of that. Um, and he easily could do the cows. He knows about cows. He's a, he is a, mm-hmm. a stockman. But um, his focus is more on the grass and management, all of that side. Uh, and he also, like, his probably milking-wise, it's the we don't have a great parlor at the moment it's just not the flow isn't very great in there and he's quite used to efficient things so he just got to the point it was quite frustrating for him so he's just I I still love it in there so I'm not at that so I do a lot of milking so does Lottie um we've got Sam who does a lot of the tractor work he's on an apprenticeship like a college apprenticeship so he does a day a week supposed to do a day a week at college but he's stopped that now because he's nearly finished so he's nearly got his and then I've got two part-time girls um as well who are both college students one does a day a week and then one does two days one week three the next so they just fill in wherever the gaps are they can all of them can milk everyone can milk that's one of the stipulations Mm. that if something happened or any anyone can milk the cows um but when I'm away yeah you have six on your team total? Yeah, then? six on our team, but they're not full. So three of them would be part-time, okay. if that makes sense. So they all sort of cover each other, if that makes sense. And because it's yep. the arable too, and then we rear all the we probably rear 200 heifers plus the beef. It's quite a lot of animals. Um, yeah. And we outwinter, um, all the heifers are outwintered. So they're on bales and silage. So it's not just a case of it being in the barn. Right. It's like fences. Um, yeah it's it's yeah it's more that it's more it's still quite a lot of stock work over the winter um so the, my off farm work um i just yeah i mean tom will will cover cows and also um my dad comes and does the kids that's like the big thing like he comes and helps with the kids when i'm because i've got three young children um 14 12 and 5 so they yeah so my dad comes and helps with them so he How will help with stock but he like he won't milk the cows he's, he's always said <laughs> how how do the kids interact on the farm? Are they a pretty big part of it? Do they spend a lot of time on the farm? Um, so my eldest is actually away at school. Uh, he comes home most weekends, but he he's very sporty and has got on a scholarship there. Um, he is he's very good with the tractors. Can scrape up, can feed. He's pretty good. He's pretty helpful. Uh, and we pay them all. So like he's paid if he does it, he's paid like anyone else would be paid. He has to do a timesheet. And then the middle one, Evie, is not particularly, I think she loves animals, but she's not engaged in the milking at all at the moment. And then the five-year-old's just happy. Cecily's happy doing anything. She just fits in. Tell me about your involvement off the farm. What got you into, I know you have quite a big social media presence. Uh, you're, you've got a lot of followers. And, um, what got you into doing that? I think, um, I think it was like determination to show the industry is, as somewhere fun to work um dairy is something great to drink and nutrition and actually that you know there was so much i felt there was quite an attack on dairy farming if that makes sense so i felt like there was a bit of not an attack but you know it's sort of i just wanted to be able to tell our story i started doing it and i stopped for a bit and then friends were like no we love it we're living in london we really want to see what the cows are doing we might have been vegan if not you know just that kind of um and also just learn from other people doing stuff on there who had farming. Um, I've made some great friends through it. Um, and I just, yeah, I just really, I actually really enjoy it. I try and be quite disciplined about it as in not, you know, constantly have it. I only probably post when I'm in the house. So I record stuff and then put them on when I'm in the house so it really gets signal on the farm. Um, so I just, yeah, I'm, I just enjoy and people just enjoy learning about where their food's from. I think that was my biggest thing, trying to get people into the industry working and also, um, 
trying to get um, people to drink dairy, eat dairy, enjoy dairy without being guilty, you know, without feeling guilty about it. Why do you think there is that stigma? I, I know there is that in the U.S., uh, that stigma for dairy had been around for a little bit. Uh, butter has definitely seemed to get gotten over that in the U.S. How is it in the U.K.? Uh, butter. I mean, butter, I've only ever known butter in a good way. But I think, I don't know if that's my generation because that that um, spread stuff sort of ended up being quite pushed down, if that makes sense. Like, yeah. I think there was a whole thing about it being being made for pigs or something. I don't know, margarine or something to fatten pigs. So right. I've only ever grown up with just eating butter. Um, it's never been, actually, I don't even think any of my friends have been like, oh, you shouldn't, you shouldn't drink, you know, you shouldn't eat butter. Or um, if anything, it's been like the fresh milk people have been more about. Like the actually, okay. like de- they've swapped out, you know, oat milk has become trendy and that's what they've more in coffees and stuff rather than natural butter. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen it yeah. so much. And cheese, people seem to forget cheese comes from dairy. They don't really like, even if they're vegan, they kind of think, I don't right. know if that's the right thing. Cheese is okay. Yes, yeah, okay. It's you know what I mean? Good, right? <laughs> <laughs> Not to drink, eat even, isn't it? Right. Tell me a little bit about your involvement with Arla, your co op. Yeah. Um, I suppose I've been involved for probably two years. I did um, um, I did a few bits before that, but I've been actually involved in like a representation role for the last, yeah, two years nearly. It's coming up to elections now. So, um, and I just did it. A friend really encouraged me to do it. And I, um, they had done it in the past and I was sort of ready for to step outside of the farm and step outside my comfort zone. So that was sort of the step. And then off that, I took the step to do Nuffield. So it was sort of a real, uh, yeah, it was a real stepping stone, I suppose. And it's been really good for me and I really hope to be reelected. Um, it's a lot of people on there have been on there a long time. Um, there's, you know, it's, it's a, it is a real mixture. There's a lot, there's lots of young, younger ones. And I suppose, I don't know if I'm the disruptive one. I don't, I don't try to be, but I've I'm I'm also really felt it was important that organic had its view. There's one other organic farmer on there. We have quite a small proportion of that pool anyway. We're only about five percent of the total pool would be organic. So actually, it's probably the right representation. Only two of us out of twenty nine. But yeah. um, I just thought it was really important that um, we were represented and our type of farming was represented. But you have to be quite open-minded to be on a board like that because they are all different systems and that is really important too. So like from robotics like yours to fully housed, to grazing, to organic, to once a day, no cake, you know, all systems in ours, especially in the UK, because we can be grazing to like unable to graze up and, you know, right up in the snowy Scotland, you know, it's, there's, it's so regional too. Right. Very similar to that in the U.S. with the with the co-op that I'm involved with. Uh, there's so many different ways to farm, and you really need to have all the viewpoints represented in order for everyone to really make good decisions as a co-op that's that diverse. I think. Yeah. So where you're at in the U.K., I guess I didn't even really explain that to the audience, right? <laughs> you're you're in the United Kingdom. Yeah. Uh, what part of the United Kingdom are you located in? So Dorset, Devon border. So if you were to look. The, look at England, bottom left, not right down the bottom, just along that bottom coastline. So by Bath? Yeah, about an hour from Bath, down. South of Bath, yeah. Okay. Bath, right. yeah. I know where London and Bath are and, uh, you know, the, the bigger towns, but. <laughs> I, um, 
Yeah, it's it's a lovely part of the world. We're like we can see the sea from some of the farm. Okay, and you're, are you? Well, I guess you are able to graze all year round your heifers. You said right. Yeah, I mean it gets challenging this time of year, but we're yeah. regularly. So the big ones have come home to calve now. So like the coming up two year olds have come home to calve, and then um, the little ones uh, still will stay out. So they're okay. on like um, what we call like a herbal lay. So like loads of different herbs, like plantain, chicory, timothy, yeah. like lots of different herbs in, in one paddock. And then they're on bales, which are either silage bales or haylage, like hay. And then we put ring feeders around them. And then I think you guys do it in America too. Um, and then fence, and they're just moved really regularly on that. Yeah. I mean, you got a the Woman of the Year Award in 2021, right? Yeah. That was, yeah, and, that was. A... How, how did that come about? Well, it was a girl who Rachel, who's brilliant. She um she worked for us. So basically, she she I don't know if you, I assume that you guys do milk recording, so record your milk quality and your um of each cow. Do you guys do that regularly? Yeah, yep. probably the robots do it automatically. Um, yeah, my farm we we haven't done it since we had robots. That since they yeah. do it now. Yeah, but the, the so we do it. We were doing it monthly. We do it six weekly now. But um, we had a girl in that was helping us do it. And uh, she was like really desperate to get back into farming. She'd grown up on a farm. Dad had been a farmer, but she has six kids. So she finds it really difficult to like work it around them. And I was like, oh, why don't you just come and rear some calves with us in the spring? Um, and she was really good. And then she went on and took on a full-time job on another, we didn't have a full-time job then, uh, on another farm, then went to another farm. And she's now yeah, down the road working for someone. Um, and she actually nominated me. So it was a real, so I had no idea. And then I had this thing through and then I had this thing saying that was in the final. And then we just had an interview and it was during, it was sort of the end of COVID. Um, and so it was all online and I never thought I'd win it. But um, I think most of it was to, because of my um, like real want to get people into the industry. Um, and also for the education stuff I do with kids and stuff. So some of the charity work I do is to do with explaining to children where their food comes from, getting them out on farm. Um, we go into local shows, local schools um, with this cow called Clover, who's a like wooden milking cow. And um, we yeah, then show people where, where milk's from, really. Um, and there's loads of different farmers who either sheep farmers, arable farmers, and they all get involved and share their story, basically. So um, I, I think that's why I won it. Um, but it was it was like a real stepping stone for me because before that I really wasn't doing anything off farm so okay. it's been re it's been really good for me and I did an amazing course after that called Just Farmers which is like a media training course um set up by a Nuffield scholar actually to train farmers to deal with the media because she didn't feel she was a journalist and she didn't feel like our stories were told by us um so she just created this four-day course it was two lots of two days um to teach us to deal with the media and then that just gave me the confidence to do more and more. Um, and I did. And that was kind of the stimulus to the social media yeah, interactions. Exactly. That you had. I mean, I was doing it a bit before, but I didn't really have any skill set in it at all. And I didn't really, I just sort of did random. And I mean, I'm not, nothing is like timed or anything. I'm not very good at doing that sort of like timed when it is and stuff. And I'm still very much, it is who I am. Um, but I just, it gave me the confidence, I suppose, more than anything else. Um, yeah. yeah, it was, it was an amazing award to get. It just gave me some confidence because I, I just, I call myself fraud on the farm because I still feel like I'm sort of making it up as I go along. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a interesting path that might be 
good to go down. So there's a lot of, most farmers that I know, they grew up on a farm mm-hmm. and they, they came from a farming family. And I feel a lot like you, you know, a lot of things that I do, I just kind of, I, I don't know if it's right or if it's wrong, we're just going to go with it. And, and it seems, yeah. seems to be the right path forward. Have, have you made some um, mistakes doing that, that you, you look back on and say, I, I really wish we could have done that different. Or do you feel like that's given you more freedom to farm the way that you really feel fits you? I think because I trained as an accountant before I went into the farm, I think I've always had an eye on the numbers. And I think it's always been really important for us for it to be make money enough to be able to do it, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So I've always got that side of it looking at it. So I suppose I look at it a different way. But I suppose the only thing that I would say that I haven't done enough of is taking risks. So I think like I probably haven't pushed our business hard enough, if that makes sense. My husband probably would have pushed it harder because I'm very risk adverse. So I like the fact that, you know, we built up the cap, you know, built up the capital, bought our business partners 50-50, buying him out. Whereas I think my husband probably would have liked to have done another farm before, you know, we we're taking another farm, you know, we're four sites now, but it's like he probably would have gone in for another dairy farm. Um, but it's probably me a little bit, but I suppose we've got more flexibility for that. And I hope Nafu would then give me the confidence to do a bit more, if that makes sense. So do you regret not taking more risk or do you think it that's, that's just your personality and that's the way that you feel comfortable running your business. I think I don't regret it while the kids are young. I mm. think I would, yeah, I wouldn't really want to be highly geared while yeah. the kids are young. I think I don't know, really. I just, I not a good enough opportunity hasn't come. We've looked at other things, but not a good enough opportunity hasn't come to us. So I think it will. And that's probably why we've kept the autumn block as well with the thought that that will go to another farm and we'll go just mm. back to spring. So it's it's there. We're ready to move, if not move as in from the farm, but we're ready to seize an opportunity if there is one. Um, right. Don't know if it'd be organic or conventional. It would depend on the farm. I'm not okay. fully like I'm not f- saying, and it would depend on the landlord as well. The long term goal is to buy a plot of land, like a big enough. You know, I I'd love to buy a big enough farm that we could milk cows and stuff on it. But the how land prices here are crazy. Um, so like the ambition probably is to buy 50 acres and put a house on it or you know, convert a barn or keep the farms going. And then we move off there, rear mm. some young stock and stuff there. I don't know what it looks like in the future, but that's like our, probably our goal together. I hope you enjoyed that episode with Sophie Gregory and tune in next week as this was the first part of our conversation. And next week you'll hear the second part, again, talking about business and her industry experiences and roles that she has off the farm. And as always, If you found value in this episode, please share it with somebody that you know. We really appreciate it here at the Ag Culture Podcast. And check us out on social media. We're on LinkedIn. Uh, You can find me at Paul Windemaller on LinkedIn or Ag Culture Podcast, as well as Ag Culture Podcast on Facebook and many of the other platforms that you like to use, Instagram and all those. So please like and subscribe, and we will talk to you next week.